Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Culture Shock Therapy. It's me, your host, Mary Jane Provost here. Our next client into the office, I am very happy to um, bring on this episode. I uh, thought of this next guest uh, when I started the show way back, not that far back, when several months ago when uh, we were starting the show. So I'm finally glad to, to have this person here. Um, without any further ado, Maria, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. You're very welcome. Uh, it's been quite a while since we uh, caught up. I guess technically we're, we used to be coworkers. Yep. Um, and yeah, a lot has happened in life since then, including, uh, a virus amongst other things. Um, how <laughs> is, have you been in the last, um, Jesus, probably been like four or five years, honestly. I know. It's weird to think that. It it just seems like it was like, oh, last summer. Because we used to always do the summer camps together. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually felt weird saying like, like actually doing the math and thinking about how long ago it was. But it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was like five years ago. Yeah, it's so weird to think that. Because uh, maybe it's just because those summer camps are always so crazy. <laughs> It takes a long time to recover from them. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the <laughs> listeners, um, Maria and I, we um, we work with uh, a great uh, group here in the Atlanta area called Sketchworks. And um, we would work with youth and uh, have a lot of fun with them during this, these summer programs. I remember I, I, I was uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at the – I think I – I emailed someone on board and I wanted like an internship. I didn't know too much about Sketchworks because I was like 18 or something. But um, yeah, you guys immediately welcomed me with open arms. And um, yeah, I'm very grateful for all those all those opportunities. Um, we were grateful too. So we were super grateful to have you. So Oh, yeah. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By the time I had met you, um, I'm curious, how long had you been doing like sketch comedy, acting, directing, that type of stuff? Because um, I, I had the feeling that you were like, you definitely knew what you were doing. So I assume you've had uh, years under your belt. <laughs> um, I had been doing sketch comedy specifically, probably when I met you, it probably had been about four or five years. I think um, so now it's been about like what 10 years or something but I started um, acting technically I started in middle school so that's like a long time ago but when I that was back when I lived in the Philippines when I moved to the US I started to um, get more serious about acting again when I got to college and then um, I had been working as an actor since uh, as a professional actor since before graduating college. So by the time I met you, I had been doing it probably about, uh, let's see, I'm 37 now. That's four years ago. So whatever, whatever, whatever that is minus 21, <laughs> basically since I was like 21. <laughs> okay. And I literally like, it's, it's so interesting. Cause like when you're a coworker with someone like, so so much of the conversations you have are like work related, and I am first now like finding out you you're from the Philippines, uh, right? Or you spent childhood there? 
I spent part of my childhood there. I was born okay. in Argentina, but we left when I was a baby. Both my parents are Argentine. Um, and then my dad's job, he's, he was an engineer. He's retired now. Moved us to a couple different places. So um, we left when I was a baby. We moved to Pampa, Texas. Um, it's a very tiny town. Um, not a lot of people have heard of it unless they live in Texas. And then we moved to Atlanta for a couple years. Then we moved down to Venezuela for three years. We came back to Atlanta for one year. And then we went to the Philippines for five years. That was between uh, fifth grade to ninth grade. And then I moved back to Atlanta again for 10th, 12th, 11th, and 12th in college. <laughs> I think that's so cool. A lot of people I talk to um, that live in, in, internationally, they um, – it's often like bifurcated to where it's like, okay, I started in one place and then spent the rest of my childhood here. But I really want to ask you about like the going back and forth to and fro. Um, yeah. Just uh, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about that, like, um, yeah, how, like how that related to like your identity. If you like at some point, like, Oh, Atlanta's really cool. I don't want to leave. Like uh, <laughs> what were some of your experiences? Uh, it was it was pretty tough to be honest. Um, I mean, when I was little, it was and when you're a kid, I guess it's like whatever, you know. Um, when you're like super little, so um, when we lived in Venezuela, it was really fun. You know, I we went to an international school, so we we spoke English at school, um, and then I I learned Spanish at home because we speak Spanish to my mom and dad, so that's how I became bilingual. Um, and when we it was in fourth grade that. I was living in Atlanta and I remember when that year ended and they said we were moving to the Philippines. I was like, so sad. I was like, I didn't want to leave the U S um, I didn't want to leave Atlanta specifically. I didn't want to leave my friends. And I was really nervous. Also like when you're a kid, like you don't know anything about the Philippines. You're like, what is that place? Um, so anyways, it was, it was, you know, definitely different cause it's super far away and it's like, wow, just a completely different um, country. But I went to an international school there. It was the International School of Manila. It was an English-speaking uh, school, but it had people of, like, all backgrounds, um, all nationalities, and it's, like, one of those schools where you have the elementary, middle, and high school all on the same campus, and uh, you pretty much, like, start to know who everybody is, and it's, it's just – I loved it there. I absolutely loved it there. And I was ah, at the end of ninth grade when we found out we were moving back to the U.S. I was so upset. <laughs> I was so mad. I wanted to finish school in the Philippines. I like begged. I was like, I, can I just stay with Tara? My, one of my best friends, Tara, um, who lived there. She, um, I was like, can I just stay with her and like finish school here? I was so mad because my sister got to finish high school there. And, you know, she graduated and it's a weird time to move in the middle of high school. Yeah. So, and it's just the the fact that it's like people of all shades and, you know, all, you know, it's just all different types of people. You don't really, you you can definitely find like your own like group there and you don't feel left out because everyone is so unique. So uh, anyways, not to like say anything bad about public schools in the U.S., but we moved back to the U.S. and I go to... Roswell High School, which, you know, it's a fine, it's a fine high school, but it was like, 
that was like cult- culture shock for me. <laughs> it was like the reverse. <laughs> it's like what someone else wouldn't find culture shock, but that was like culture shock to me because it was so weird because it was like the school, first of all, every class I had was like a new set of kids because the school was just so overcrowded. I'm like, how do people even become friends with people? Because it's like, I don't even, I can't even get to know anyone. Um, so that was overwhelming already. Cause I was like, I don't know anybody here. There were some people I remembered from fourth grade, but I was like, not even gonna be like, Hey, do you remember me? I was so <laughs> shy. Like my personality, my parents were even concerned for me because when I was in the Philippines, I was like, so out of my shell. That's when I had started acting. That's when like, I was just like, out. I was so outgoing. It was completely different. It was like a 180 when we moved here back here, I had like completely gone back into my shell and I was super shy. And like, it was like a, I was a completely different person. And I was so nervous because I was like, I don't know how things work in the U S what am I allowed to do? Am I going to get arrested for things? Like, you know, I was like, so nervous about everything. It was like stupid things. Um, I stopped playing volleyball. I stopped doing acting classes because I didn't want to go to the rehearsals because I was too shy. Um, or the tryouts because I was too shy and, and the school was just so, it was weird. Cause it was like, there was, everyone was so segregated, you know, it was like, these were the white kids. These were the Latinos. These were the black kids. And they were also separate. And I'm like, I don't really identify as like any particular group. So it was weird to see that. And like coming from a school where it was all these like nationalities and everybody's friends and it didn't matter. Like it was weird to see how separate people were at that school. Uh, Hopefully it's not like that anymore, but, and there weren't like any problems or anything, but it was definitely hard for me to find like people that I really related to. I mean, I finally had like a few friends that I could like, you know, opened up to, but it was still kind of odd. I was like, I don't really, I don't know. Why are we all so separated? (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah, so it really sounds like um, your school experience in the Philippines was just like perfectly like diverse in so many ways. So now I want to ask with the high school you went to in Roswell, you said there was like segregation, but like in terms of demographics, was it like majority white? Um, I know Roswell now might be majority white i honestly don't go to roswell too much but i'm wondering like uh was there like a predominant um demographic at your high school i think it was probably mostly white um yeah i'd say it was probably mostly white and then then it would probably be um you know the african-american and then the um latin Latinx or I don't, I don't know what the correct terms are anymore. (laughs) Um, And then like a really small group of like um, Middle Eastern. um, And I ended up being friends with like some of the, you know, the girls from like the Middle East, which was so weird because I was like, I've never lived in the Middle East or anything like that. But I was like, well, I'll relate, I'll relate to you guys, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, It was, yeah, it was Did you feel like any like, yeah, that, like I can't even imagine what you had to go through going from a place of diversity and everyone's together to to the little like cliques and everything like that. Did you at any point have any like thoughts in your identity like hmm, maybe I should like gravitate people who look like me or maybe I should do the opposite and talk to 
people who don't look like me or did you just kind of like go with the flow as best as you could? I, I feel like the, the move back to that school or back to this, you know, to the Atlanta was what honestly like started my whole like identity crisis. Cause it was so weird to go from a place where there were people like there were cliques in the Philippines. There were definitely cliques, you know, there were the friend groups like, Oh, the popular girls and the whatevers, but they weren't, they, the cliques weren't created because of their nationality. It was just because of who they were. So I didn't like become aware of the fact that like, Oh, I'm Brown, (laughs) you know, or like (laughs) I'm, you know, this or that until I came to the States and I was like, I don't really know who I am anymore because I'm like, I don't really see myself as a hundred percent one or the other. And like, I felt like I needed to seem, I needed to be 100% this or 100% that to be accepted. So that I think maybe that was in my head more, but it was kind of like how I saw it. So it was hard to be like, I don't know. It's like almost I had to lie and be like, oh no, I'm Latina. Look at me. Like, I look at my personality. I'm Latina and I'm outgoing and outspoken. And it's like, I had to like almost go into like stereotypes of like, who you think those groups would be to like try to fit in, which is sad. That's yeah, I know <laughs> when I was, you know, uh, in like elementary school and a little bit of middle school, I would never really like, it was always a little bit harder for me to fit in with uh, other kids who were black. Um, and even to this day, uh, most of my friends are white. And, you know, at the time when we were kids, I think, you know, a lot of kids, they don't have like the social graces. So people would be like, you know, do you have a problem with black people? Are you like embarrassed? Did you receive any like judgment or was it more or less like people were just accepting like, oh, yeah, that's Maria. She's she's doing her thing. I mean, I guess I was lucky in that I didn't really receive any judgment um, because I I feel like I was more invisible than anything else. Um, And I kind of made myself invisible. Um, Like I said, like my personality went completely 180 where I was super outgoing to like, I honestly like was so quiet in, in class and I would, all I would do was study, which, you know, honestly, in hindsight, it's a good thing because when I was in the Philippines, I was a terrible student. <laughs> oh, you were? <laughs> I was so bad. I mean, I would like not do my homework. And then during like lunch, during lunch, I would ask my friend, I'm like, okay, what was the chapter about? Hurry, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad. It was completely, I'm telling you, completely different personality. And when I got to the States, I was like, well, I have no idea how the school works. So I'm just going to start memorizing my textbooks, basically. So I would just basically study all the time. And um, I became a very good student. I went from like mediocre to like an A plus student. And thankfully, I was able to carry that into into college. And then by college, it was a nice blend of good (laughs) and a little more outgoing and finding my friends. But um, so thankfully, I didn't have like, problems where people were bullying me or anything like that or like it was more like people just didn't know me I would do (laughs) I remember doing a group project in my French class and I can't remember what I did but I did I made some kind of mistake or something and I was like oh fuck you know and I said a bad word which comes naturally because that's who I am but then the, (laughs) the, the group like literally stopped and looked at me and were like whoa I didn't know that you would cuss like they saw me as like this saint 
I was this good girl and like the saint. I was like, man, if you guys knew what I got into in the Philippines, you would not be thinking that. But I came off as like this, like goody two shoes, good girl, good student, you know, good school girl. But eh, that was not like that in the Philippines. <laughs> I I see why we get along so well because when I was young, like really young, like pre middle school. I was like super outgoing. Uh, I was really into theater at that time. And then by the time I was in middle school and even more so in high school, I like completely went in my shell. I didn't do any theater in high school um, because of the same reasons. I was like, yeah, I don't want to like put myself out there like that. And it's only like recently that I'm – kind of going back to the way I was like as a kid and being yeah. like more extroverted. Um, so I, I know what you mean. It's like, cause I, I don't know what it was like for you. Like I still was interested in theater and those type of things. Yeah. Um, but I was, I just felt kind of safe doing, you know, not those things. And uh, so, so were you like watching kids in like drama club or a theater club? Like, did you think like, hmm, maybe things could be different? Or are you like, nope, that's not me anymore. I'm done. You know, I think I remember going to one meeting for the drama club. And I remember they were going to put on like a one-act play. I have like a faint memory. I feel like this was so long ago um, that I went to a meeting. But I don't think I ever went back. I think I just like – I think if you look at a yearbook <laughs> – I'm part of the drama club technically. Like I did that thing where I waited for the yearbook photo day and I like went to all the clubs and I was like, see, I was in all these clubs, but I was, I, I think I went to one meeting to any of these clubs. I think it was part <laughs> of the French club too. Um, but yeah, I'd like, it was almost like too nerve wracking. I couldn't get up there like to, to perform. I took acting classes like as my electives, but when it came to going to the after school thing, it was like, yeah, I was just too in my shell, and I was like, I can't do this. I mean, that's why I didn't even go to the tryouts for volleyball. I was going to go. I remember seeing everyone go in, and then I think I just panicked, and I just left. I didn't even try out because I was like, I don't know. What if the rules are different here or, like, whatever? And I loved playing volleyball. So it it wasn't, like, all, like, necessary, like, social nervousness. Like, part of it was, like, I knew how to do things back then, but I don't know what's going on here. Like the yeah. change in yeah, environment and everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what if the things that I know are different and then I come off looking ridiculous? So yeah, it was like a mix of like all of that stuff happening at the same time. And then also like that identity crisis happening at the same time to not knowing like who I am anymore. It's like, I don't even know how to behave. <laughs> Um, now I'm super curious what, uh, if, if we're going in like chronological order, what, like, how, what was your college experience? Like, I want to know what led you to being the amazing, uh, creative person you are today. <laughs> um, so I originally, I didn't even want to go to college. I wanted to do the whole New York and LA thing, but my parents were like, no, you got to go to college. Um, and which is good that they did that. Um, because of the hope scholarship, I had to stay in Georgia. So I was like, well, fine. I only like, <laughs> I only um, applied to two schools because I was like, I'm not going to go to Georgia Tech, obviously. All of my siblings went to Tech, by the way. Um, how, how many siblings do you have? I have two brothers and a sister. 
Okay. Oh my gosh. That must. Are they all older or was uh, some of them younger? Uh, two. I have the older brother, older sister, and then my little. It's my little brother. Oh my gosh. That that must be like. I can't even imagine what that's like for you because like. <laughs> there is like this huge thing in Georgia, like yeah. of the like the greatness of Georgia Tech and all that. Like so. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you, you keep going. Like, um, what school um, did you end up at? I ended up at UGA because um, I was going to study theater. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Georgia Tech to study theater. Although I think they do pretty good shows there. So maybe I should have done my research. Um, <laughs> I think Emory does too. But honestly, I was like, whatever. If I had to go to college, I'm just going to go here. You know, I did that thing. And I was like, screw it. I'll go to UGA. I uh, At first I was, you know, I did this like, freshman semester thing before like college actually starts. And I was kind of nervous about that. You know, I was still in my shell, but it wasn't until I started taking my acting classes, the acting curriculum classes, um, the theater curriculum that I finally started to meet people. Um, I started to find myself again. So I started coming out of my shell and I found like my group of, of friends and it really helped me a lot in becoming kind of who I was before. Um, and then I ended up getting a job out there. Uh, and at work is how I met and my other group of friends who were actually mostly Latinos because it was, I worked at a telemarketing company. We, we did not make phone calls. People would call us just FYI. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> um, but I was a bilingual rep representative. So, um, all my friends were also the bilingual reps. So it was a nice mix of like Latinos from different countries too. And so it was kind of cool to, to have that. And then some, some, uh, some white kids that learned Spanish too. That was really cool. <laughs> Who were better at Spanish than I was. Um, so it was, so that's how I met my other group. And then I finally started to like find who I was again. And then I, um, signed with an agent before, get, uh, graduating i think and then i that you know that's pretty much how i launched into acting um i want to ask you um since you got started young right after, right out of college have things generally like has there been any aren't any shifts or changes within um because i know you, you also do so much with film so i'm trying to say like theater slash film like yeah have, uh, what are some like the biggest things you've noticed in terms of growth because like uh, every time uh, I don't live in the city right now. So like every time I go for a weekend or something, I'm just like, how is this city like even more bustling than before? Like it is, it is literally insane right now. So oh um, what, like, what was your, what has your perspective been over the years? Cause um, you've been here for a little bit. Well, Atlanta, the city in general has just completely different from then because it's completely packed with people and traffic sucks. <laughs> There's just like a lot of people in the city. It's getting so much that I'm like, I really would like to live outside the city. Um, but yeah, there's as far as TV and, or TV film. And I mean, the theater, unfortunately, um, there's not, there's never like as much theater as there should be here, even though there are some really, really good theater companies. Um, they're, and they're definitely doing good stuff. Like there's Aurora Theater, which is amazing. Out, but that's out in Lawrenceville. Alliance Theater obviously will bring stuff in too. That's really good. Um, so the theater, 
the theater side of things hasn't grown expo- you know, exponentially or anything. It's grown a little bit, but the TV and film has definitely grown. And there's like stuff being shot all over the place, which was not like that in the back when I started. Back when I started, I knew like almost everybody who was up for the same roles as me. Um, people weren't coming from LA and New York as much to fight for roles from us. <laughs> now right. they're coming all the time to try to take our roles. And we're like, just give <laughs> us something. <laughs> um, I mean, when I started, we used, we had black and white headshots. You did not have colored headshots. And you also didn't go to auditions in jeans. You had to wear nice pants. And I hated that. So I'm glad that's changed. <laughs> it was the yeah, worst I've, thing. I've heard people say there used to be like a, a like a non-spoken like dress code. Like yeah. it's just like understood that you're going to be like presentable in like a professional way. Yes. It was like you're going to a job interview. And it was the weirdest thing because when you're like, especially when you're like 20, 21, 22, you're like, why am I dressing like an old person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that that's changed. Like you can actually dress more normal now. It's like completely different. Um, but yeah, it, it's, there's, back then it was always in-person auditions. You always went to the, to the room and you were in the big room with the people that look like you, who's going for the same roles. You always met with the director. And then I saw that shift to the tapes. Um, so now it's like, especially now because of the pandemic, it's completely made it change even faster where almost the majority of everything you're going to audition for is going to be taped at least the first time, the first round. Um, I want to ask you what, um, at, at what point you decided that you were like going to go like all in on this because now, um, you know, you, you produce so much stuff. You've got all these projects and amazing things um, but I imagine there was a point where um, you maybe thought like, hmm, maybe I should make this more of a hobby or something like, or for you, was it always like, no, th- this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to put my mark. Um, I feel like every day of my life is, <laughs> uh, do I really want to do this anymore? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, honestly, it's, it's been a struggle for me. I've never been one of those people that's like, no, I'm just doing this. I, maybe right. when I first started, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. But I've always, I'm, I'm one of those people who I cannot be a starving artist. I, I am too type A <laughs> to <laughs> like live my life and be free and just do art. I don't think I can yeah. do that. So I've always had like many other jobs. I have, I mean, my close friends know that about me. It's always like a joke of how many jobs I have. And my <laughs> parents always like, are like, I never know what to say when people ask me what you do. So, and it's, it's definitely confusing. Cause it's like, I got a lot of stuff going on. I try to keep, most of my jobs, though, kind of in line with the whole, you know, acting side of things or, or theater or film, um, just so I can stay connected to the industry. And I definitely have had moments. I mean, it's, I'm not gonna lie, this is like, this industry is a struggle. And it's, it's super hard. And um, it's very, uh it can be rewarding at times, but <laughs> it's a struggle. Um, so there's definitely been moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to s- just stop everything and leave the industry and just go get a normal job, normal nine to five job. Maybe I can go into like insurance or I don't know, just something super random. Like yeah. where I feel like my heart won't be ripped apart. 
Um, right. And then I'm like, okay, what could I do? And then I'm thinking like, well, the only thing I know how to do and the only thing I ever trained to do is stuff in the industry. So <laughs> I found myself like getting stuck again. And I'm like, well, I'm forced to do this. Um, so then I, you know, but it's, it's fine because I get to do other things. Like ever since I've started creating my own stuff, um, it's been a lot more rewarding for me because when you're just acting and like auditioning and waiting for the part, uh, that's like super tedious. Um, but when you get to, you know, write and direct and you get to help other actors, you know, if you're an acting coach, it's so much more rewarding because it's like you get to see what you're doing and it's more tangible, I guess. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no uh, that, I, I ask that to myself all the time. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask though, like you um, – you know, you're talking about like the hustle and bustle of the industry and it's like it, it is literally – I cannot believe how much like how many people are moving here for the purposes of entertainment. Um, yeah. When like – I was like, wait, I thought people would want to go to like LA or New York, but no, they're actually trying to leave there. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to ask like – I know you do some microphone type stuff, um, recording, um, narration. Like is, is that work – does it feel less starving artisty? I guess like stuff like <laughs> doing audiobook narration or you know maybe something voice acting related. How, how does that yeah. vibe with uh, you? So uh, Casey Holloway, um, you know Casey, right? She yes. Okay, yeah. So from Sketchworks, she actually used to be the um, uh, what's it called casting director over at Listen Up Audio, which is now called Lantern Audio. So she's the one who got me involved because they needed an audiobook narrator who was um, Latina or Latinx now. Uh, and so I ended up starting to work there and doing audiobooks. The first book I did was super hard, by the way, and I still remember it to this day. And I'm always like, man, I should probably re-record that one. But I'm like, that was, I'm so incredibly grateful that she got me involved with that because um, it's it's one of those things like I, I think that people, if they really focus on doing, I'm trying to do a lot more audio booking right now. I'm working um, on getting, you know, my own, my own studio so that I can record more stuff on my own. Um, but you can definitely make a living just doing the audio stuff. I mean, there's plenty of voiceover artists out there who are doing commercials for radio and, you know, dubbing for cartoons or whatever, which by the way, would be the sweetest gig ever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, doing audiobooks, and I love doing them because I mean, number one, it's a good, definitely a nice paycheck. Um, and number two, it's, it's nice to be behind a microphone and not have to be on like on camera for once, you know, you feel like you're totally on display when you're on camera. Um, so it doesn't, it's not really, you can make a living doing it for sure, but I think it's kind of like the same with everything else. It's you for me, at least, I like to have different things happening at the same time. So I'll do audio booking, but I'm also still doing my own film stuff. You know, I have different streams of income so that I don't have to rely on one or another only. Um, so it definitely helps. I mean, to supplement if, if I'm trying to supplement my acting career, doing audiobooks definitely helps. And the best audiobook narrators are you know, they were actors first. So for the most part, usually. Yeah. Um, 
I almost like exclusively digest books through audiobooks because I feel like once you find those great narrators, like reading in your head just isn't, it feels like not quite the full experience because, um, yeah, I, some of these narrators out here and, um, you're going to have to tell me what books you've, you've read, uh, in the past so I can listen as well. But yeah. it's like this, it's such a amazing experience. Um, like it's like someone's telling you a story and doing all the voices. Um, I'm curious, like you said, your first, first book was really hard. Uh, <laughs> what are some things that make for like a difficult, uh, recording session or difficult text to read? So, um, well, for me, I'm pretty lucky. The mon- the ones I do aren't usually too difficult because I do a lot of young adult books, which is like awesome because they're really fun to read. Um, <laughs> someone like Brian Troxel, he does a lot of really hard ones that are all like, um, like I think the last one he did was a bunch of like, I can't remember, Russian words or I don't know. He Oof. gets some that are like different, like different languages and they're like very educational or like really deep crime stories or like, I don't know. Mine are like a lot of young adults, so they're not usually too bad. But the first book I had, um, there was just a lot of characters, and it was a lot of male characters. And it was my first one, so I was like still trying to figure out how to do that. And so when you have like a bunch of characters in a book, you want to kind of give them a slightly different voice. I learned this from Casey. She had to coach me before I did my first book. (laughs) Um, So you kind of give them like a different voice for the characters, and then sometimes they'll have accents and I am, I'm terrible at accents. I will say that I, I need to do, I need to get a dialect coach or something to help me because I always end up with the books that are like, okay, and this person is Swedish and this one is French and this one, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I swear every, I always get Irish and I'm like the worst at Irish. It comes out Jamaican and like, <laughs> I don't know. So for me, the hard books are the ones where there's like a billion characters and they all have like these different voices um, just because you have to keep them straight. Um, Sometimes the, I've had to do, I had to do this extremely long textbook. It was a, it was a split multi narrator one. It was me and another girl um, whose name was Maria also. Um, (laughs) I think it was Maria uh, Bagnati, I think is her last name. So she and I did this book together. Um, That was about, uh, it was called Chicana Movidas. It's out there. It's a textbook. It was <laughs> super long, first of all, but it was also like it would switch from Spanish to English at times, which is kind of hard to do sometimes because your mouth is like it gets tripped up. Um, but it was just one of those books that was like it's a textbook. So it's like really heavy and dense. And there's like random words that you're like, what? I don't know how to say that word. I don't even never heard that word before. <laughs> So stuff like that can be hard. Um, But honestly, when they don't have characters, for me, it's a lot easier. I can almost like zone out and just read it, Um, which is not good. I shouldn't say I zone (laughs) out while I read. But But it is a little easier because you don't have to switch into different character voices. Um, And then I do uh, children's books sometimes, and those are usually a cinch. Um, and then I'll do Spanish ones as well, as well. The Spanish, probably the Spanish stuff, like that's just straight on Spanish is the most difficult for me because I never grew up reading Spanish or writing Spanish. I only spoke Spanish, um, because I didn't go to school in, I didn't go to a Spanish school. So the only Spanish I really know is from Spanish classes. 
Um, and I always trained in French. So actually, it's kind of funny. When I was in the Philippines, I was allowed to take two. Um, I could take more than one language class. And I love languages. So I took Spanish and French. And after the first day of class, they had to put me in a higher French class and a lower Spanish class. <laughs> because the first day of Spanish, they had us write an essay. And everything I wrote was influenced from French. Oh. So like, I would write like cuando, which means when. And I would write Q-U-A-N-D-O, which is not correct. It, it's C-U-A-N-D-O. <laughs> but I had no idea. Because um, I never wrote or read in, in Spanish. So I had to move to a lower Spanish class, even though I was fluent. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of hard. I actually will like, I've done like audio tours for museums. And I'll what I'll do is I'll get the script. Or even if it's a children's book in Spanish, I'll call my mom. I'll send her the script. Or, <laughs> I'll, or I'll go see her in person. And we will go through it together. <laughs> Oh, I love that. And she'll make, I'll like read it to her. And she's like, no, Maria, no. And then we end up yelling <laughs> at each other. It's like, ma. <laughs> she's like, no. And then she'll start reading it. And I'm like, stop reading it. I need to read it. Yeah. It's like, it's really funny. But like without her, it would be really difficult. Or like in the <laughs> middle of a session, I'll like call her and be like, how do you say this word again? Really quickly. Just tell me how to say it. <laughs> oh, that that's amazing that she's uh, there to help you out and stuff i know i should probably pay her i should probably give her a cut but yeah <laughs> she has an ass so that's, that's <laughs> if, if she listens to this uh podcast she'll definitely she'll ask you about that and she won't, she understand. Can, uh... <laughs> <laughs> she won't understand what i'm saying too bad for her i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so like you know the um narration audiobook process a lot of that's from home and i know a lot of extroverted People in the industry, I remember like in the first few months of the pandemic, I knew a lot of people who acted and used to go into auditions who just like, they had a really hard time adjusting to the new way of life. Um, how have things been for you? Like, did you find that like, okay, this isn't this isn't quite so bad. I've, I've done some stuff from home before. I've done production on my own. Or did you also have kind of like a difficult time transitioning into the the new way of life? Um, it was, I mean, self-taping can be kind of annoying. Um, only, I mean, the problem is I don't really have like a good setup right now. So for the people who have like a setup at home and like they can just get in front of the camera and do it, that's great. For me, every time I have to do a tape, I have to like whip out my giant blue green screen thing and set up my camera and the lights and, um, I'll force my boyfriend to do it with me. He calls himself my director, my director now, which he's actually pretty good luck because uh, I, the first two I did with him, I booked, which was really funny. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the hassle for me is mostly just like getting it out. And there are places that will tape you. I just never know with my schedule. And honestly, like, you know, then you got to pay for it. And I'm like, I don't really want to pay for every single audition I do, especially if it's something super easy. Um, so it, I don't know. It's, it was definitely nice to go in in person for TV and film. I think taping is perfectly fine when it comes to commercials. I think that was where the struggle was with the switch because commercial auditions are completely different. TV and film auditions auditions are pretty simple where you just literally are standing there and reading to the person, you know, next to the camera. And that's usually the, the how you do it no matter what. Um, but commercials are always like, 
it's the weird, they're always super weird auditions. They're like, some of them are non-speaking and it's literally you just doing physical things. Um, and it's like, do yoga in like, I had to do this. Okay. So there's a, there's a Moe's commercial that's out right now that I had, that I auditioned for. And it was, I'm doing yoga. And then all of a sudden I get the craving for Moe's and I have to like do this weird walk to go get Moe's. <laughs> so like that's just like an example of like that's not an audition where you're just going to do a close up and read to the person next to the camera. So there you have to get really creative with commercial auditions because they always have way more blocking and more physicality. Um and that's what they the clients want to see. You know, the people who are doing commercial, those clients are not coming from a creative place usually. They're they're just, you know, the the guy that works for the Moe's corporate office or whatever. Um, I mean, the director obviously will be from the creative side, but thankfully I used to help out at big picture every once in a while. Um, big picture casting, they do a lot of commercial auditions. And I mean, anyone who's been in the industry for a long time knows that when you go into like big picture or any of those commercial auditions, they usually have like a little setup. They'll have like the table and they'll have like a little prop and they'll be like, okay, for this, you're going to be sitting at the table and then you grab the mug and you take a sip and then you're going to look at the camera and say this line. So with commercials, it's like good and bad. I mean, I feel like I'm at an advantage from other people because I feel like other people might be too nervous to be creative with their auditions. But when I do commercial auditions, I get really creative and I'm like, they can either love it or hate it, but if they want to see something ridiculous or if they want to see my full body and see me do something, I'm going to show them the whole, you know, I'm going to show them the whole room and what I'm doing. If the scene takes place on the couch, why wouldn't I just use my couch if I'm at home? It's not like it's a, it's a secret that we're all at home <laughs> right now, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the thing. I had to coach a kid recently for a commercial audition for Kellogg's and, um, I was explaining to the mom, I'm like, you, you need to have, like the whole point of these auditions for these kind of commercial auditions, especially where they're trying to get the comedy is to just freaking go for it. Just do any kind of ridiculous thing. As long as you're making them laugh, they're gonna, they're gonna like it. So I was like, you know, set the camera really far away. He had to like dance for it. I'm like, make sure it's a wide shot and he uses all the space. <laughs> and like, so I think that for, for me, it's okay. But for for everybody, for a lot of people, I think that switch, especially for commercial auditions, has been difficult because it's like, how the heck am I supposed to film this for an audition? And it's like, oh, they just want to see you actually do like the whole scene. They literally right. like block it out for you. So do what they say, you know, do the blocking <laughs> that they say. I hope that made sense. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I um. I didn't know you you've you you have so much commercial experience. Do you have a favorite commercial that you've done or like a most memorable commercial filming? Um one of my favorite ones just because I I got to look all pretty <laughs> was uh I had to do the promos for Devious Maids on when Devious Maids was back on Lifetime. I don't know if you know Devious Maids. It's not Yeah, I was actually thinking about it the other day oh, <laughs> if I should start it. Yeah. So I had to do like a bunch of promos for the show. So I got to like pretend to be like one of the sexy maids. And like that one was really fun because I got to do a bunch of different spots for that. Um, and it was all like flirty to the camera. And I got to keep my dress. <laughs> Are they um, available anywhere out there on the internet? Yeah, I think they're Possibly. on my – they should be on my Vimeo. 
Um, I have a Vimeo account. They should be on there. And I, I think it's on my Instagram, Maria Liatis. It's public. Um, I will definitely uh, link that in this podcast if, yeah. if you're cool with that. You can also you can share my website because I have a website now, and that also has my audiobook stuff. Um, just MariaLiatis.com. Um, yeah, and I did one. I did a commercial recently. It was actually towards the beginning of the pandemic, so it was kind of weird because everyone's in masks and everything. Um, and I shot it in Chattanooga, I think it was, and it's for Maryfield. It's an app. And there's a song that goes with it. And so Ooh. it's like this like ridiculous song. And it was a really fun commercial because I was in the middle of a supermarket that was open and I had to like pretend I was singing along with the song. And I'm like, it was just like one of those like ridiculous ones where it's like the sillier you are, the better. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like rocking out to this like song in the middle of a, you know, busy supermarket. And that oh, one, that one's really <laughs> fun because the, the song is really catchy and kids seem to like it, so <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good one. Um, and that mode one, one too. Sorry. We um before I let you go, I do want to um ask you about um some of like your recent projects and everything like that. But before that, I, I'm I'm very curious. Um, I want you to talk about your relationship with ferrets because uh that's uh that's something. Only you're the only person I know who um, <laughs> in, in the world who uh, who loves ferrets like you do. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit, I, I think that's, that's amazing. Funny. I'm actually staring at a picture of my ferret on my desktop right now. Um, <laughs> yes, I love ferrets. I had two ferrets when I was in college. Um, first, I got Astro. He was like the raccoon looking kind of ferret, um, and I actually hit him in my dorm. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> UGA never found out. Um, and then when I, when I moved out of the dorm, I, I got a second ferret. His name was Mozart. And they were the uh, Astro was huge. Um, and he was a sweetheart. And Mozart was a little rascal. And, but he would they were both so sweet. And I got them because I wanted I wanted a dog. I wanted a pet. But obviously, like living in the dorm and I couldn't get one. So my boyfriend at the time got me a rat, an albino rat, and like the big cage that you'd use for a ferret, but we couldn't afford the ferret just yet. So we got a rat. Um, unfortunately, we had to get rid of the rat because he was covered in maggots. Oh, no. <laughs> and I cried because I was like, he's going to be okay in the wild, right? It's like, <laughs> right. You probably got to eat him right away. Um, but after that, we got the two ferrets. And so because I could never have a dog, I got the ferrets. Um, and then I moved to California for a few months, which was, I, I came back pretty quick. <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> it was way too expensive out there. Um, so I had to get rid of the ferrets cause you're, they're illegal in California and they're not supposed to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Something about the wildlife or something. I don't know. Um, or the ecosystem, I don't know, some word. <laughs> um, but when I came back, I couldn't track down the guy that had my that had taken my ferrets because I wanted to see if I could get them back. So honestly, that like I just feel like I abandoned my two children, and like I still feel like the that, and like they're just out there. So sad. <laughs> they probably passed by now, unfortunately. But um, anyways, I I, uh, I randomly now I have master pot roast, and I randomly got him. I went into a pet land this was six uh no seven years ago and he was all by himself 
And I was just playing with him. And it was like, honestly, I was not looking for a pet. And it was just a, what's it called when you buy something really quickly? Um, uh, like a impulse buy? Or yes, a- it was an impulse buy. And like for the first two weeks, I was like crying because I couldn't sleep because he wouldn't shut up at night. (laughs) And I was like, what have I done to myself? But I kept him. (laughs) And he's honestly like the sweetest ferret. Everyone says so. He's such a sweetheart. Everyone should have a ferret. But they are hard work. Similar to the acting industry. (laughs) It looks good, but they're actually harder than you think. (laughs) So it's it's not like the type of thing where you're like, oh, I don't really want like a dog or a cat. I want something low key. I'll just a ferret is nice. It's like there's actually commitment involved in, there's in owning a ferret. Commitment. If you want low yeah. key, I'd say get a cat. Um, <laughs> they're they're more high maintenance than a cat, but they're less maintenance than a dog. I'd say, but because you don't have to take them out, you know. But they and they sleep a lot. They sleep like eighteen hours a day. Oh my but, gosh, that's adorable. But the worst thing is that they poop. A lot. They poop and pee every few hours because they have very tiny bladders. So you just have to be very prepared <laughs> to be cleaning a lot. So do they do they um, take care of their business like in the middle of their sleep cycle? Yeah. Something. They'll like okay. pop up. Potros will wake up. He'll make a run for it. Run <laughs> to his little doggy pad, use it, and then climb back in bed. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, is there like, I don't know if like, would like in procuring ferrets, is it something you like normally buy or adopt? Like what's the, what's Wait, the main way? Yeah. I mean, I've always gotten them from the pet store, which is, I'm, I don't know. That's probably a bad thing, but they need homes too. Right. So yeah, yeah. that's the only place I ever like actually see them, but I know that they do. Um, there are places that you can adopt them. Um, even if you go on Craigslist, there's a lot of people that give away their ferrets for the same, because they don't do their research beforehand. And they <laughs> think like, like you said, like, Oh, it's going to be a low key animal. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. So a lot of people <laughs> will like desperately try to give away their ferrets, which is really sad because they are really, really sweet animals, but they do, you know, they do require you to take care of them and they don't stay in their cages. So Definitely don't expect it to be like a hamster where you can just put him in the cage. Um, Kairos doesn't even have a cage, so. <laughs> are they are they safe to keep around kids and small small adults? They yes, they should be. Um, I think there's some ferrets that might be a little more rambunctious and might. Uh, I think girl, this might be a lie. I might be. I might be putting a bad name out for uh, girl ferrets, but I think they're a little crazier <laughs> and they, <laughs> they can bite sometimes. Um, my boy ferrets ne- would never bite. Like they would nibble on your toes and stuff, but they don't do anything. Like pot roast can be around anything and will not hurt okay. them. So it d- just depends on the animal. There's, I'm sure there's horror stories out there. I know there was like a story about a ferret and like a baby and the crib and i don't know if that's true because that's not in their nature so unless something very weird happened with that ferret i don't know why they would do that (laughs) it's really um don't look thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much for sharing your your ferret experience anyone who's listening (laughs) see if you can adopt because i'm sure there were people bored during the quarantine who thought oh this will be fun and now you know like you said they're yeah they had to face the truth. 
That's a good yeah. point. And that's a cheap <laughs> way to get all the stuff that you need for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll just be like, please have it. I yeah, can't do I'll this anymore. I'll pay you to take it. <laughs> yeah. and I do want to ask you. That one, I want to have a play date because pot roast has never played with another ferret. Oh, my gosh. Is There's probably like a super small community in Georgia for like ferret owners or something. I haven't looked in a long time, but I remember looking a few years ago and it was like, I found one, but it was like really small. And I think it was like. It's really far away, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to take him that yeah. far." <laughs> Before I let you go, I'd like to like for you to um, feel free to talk about any projects you have that are coming out soon, things that you're excited that are in the pipeline, and all that cool stuff. Okay, um, so we just released. Well, um, if you could see it on uh, the guy whose video we did it for, this guy named uh, he goes by Legacy. Brian, oh, I just forgot his last name because he has a different last name. Um, we did a music video for him called Mama. It was a song that he wrote, and we shot it last month-ish, um, and he's released it. So it's on YouTube, and you can actually – the link to the video is on my Instagram. So definitely check out that music video. I'm very proud of that. It's the first time we've done a music video, and I kept telling – my partner, um, Michael Gargoglione, I kept saying like, we should do music videos. And he'd always be like, no, I don't know how. And I'm like, no, we can figure <laughs> it out. It was like one of those things where he like was really nervous because he's like, I don't know if I can do it, you know, but then we did it. And I think it turned out fantastic. He did a great job. Um, he's, he was the DP. He has a website cinema by Mike G, the letter G.com. And uh, he did the, the cinematography, I had done the storyboard and, and the direction and I uh, edited it together and then he did the color correction. So we kind of tag teamed it. Um, but yes, please check out that music video by Legacy and it's got um, Michelle, Brian Alvarado, that's his name, Alvarado. Um, and it's got Michelle uh, Rivera Huckabee, who is a friend of mine in the industry. She's the mom because she's his actual mom. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, and then other than that, we're also, along with John D. Babcock III, um, we are working on getting our nonprofit. We're still waiting on the IRS paperwork to say that we're official. They're a little backed up. Um, we have a nonprofit starting called the uh, Performing Arts Education of Georgia, P-A-E-G-A. And our focus is to, you know, basically bring awareness to all the talent that is here in Georgia and how you can make a living here in Georgia as an actor or as a creative. And as part of that, we create, um, and we're already doing this, it's been a couple, a few years now that we've been doing this, we create a segment called Georgia Actors. Um, full interviews are shown on our YouTube channel for Georgia Actors. And uh, you can also check out GA Actors on Instagram. Um, but these uh, interviews are cut down into two-minute segments that are played in between shows um, on GPB. So and we interview actors in Georgia, obviously, because it's called Georgia Actors. <laughs> and we, you know, talk to them about how they were able to make a living here and, you know, get some good information for people who are up and coming and trying to see how they can make it work for themselves. So many uh, cool projects. Um, and you've been an amazing guest. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. I wanted to ask you about this and that, but um, 
when you have more projects on the way and all that, um, we'd love to have you back on the show. You were you were such a good guest, and it was so so good catching up with you too. Yeah, it's good catching up with you. I can't believe it's been so long. It's been so long, and in terms of catching up, I actually was thinking about how I want to do a music video. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I I do like doing music, and I I uh, I have a lot of ideas, so. Potentially a collaboration I, I would love to do, but we can, we can talk about that another day. Okay, you don't have to do that, that on awesome. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything uh, anything else you want to plug? Uh, your what your website and your Instagram? Yes. Where website, they can find you? Uh, websites MariaLiatis.com. So Maria M A R I A Liatis L I A T I S dot com. And my Instagram is the same. <laughs> I think, yeah, okay. Maria Liatis. Just my. I love to hear it. Thank you all so much for listening to another entry in Culture Shock slash Therapy, and we will see you next time. Good night, everybody. Night.